I'd like to welcome y'all to Secrets from the South. I'm your friend Scotty Ray along with my co-host Terry. Now you'll quickly catch on that we don't sound like the man on the 6 o'clock news. We talk a little slower and we've got a southern drawl. But nonetheless, we've got a great podcast lined up just for you. We'll bring you some interesting stories. They're sometimes crazy and a little unbelievable. But it would be just plain impolite not to share them. So get yourself comfortable. Find some southern charm in a glass of iced tea and enjoy. One thing is for sure, you don't have to be from the south to be spooked by a ghost. We've got them on each side of the Mason-Dixon line. So for the next 30 or 40 minutes, forget about that board cracking in the hallway that sounds like somebody's walking or that sound you can't explain in the bedroom. Dig up Cousin Earl's number and put it on speed dial, just in case you need it. This week's episode is titled, The Ghost Next Door. So, Scotty, you know it's October, and you know what that means. So, are you a ghost believer? I'm, I believe in something. Uh, I don't know the answer, how to answer you correctly, but I have seen some things. I've had some things make the hair stand up on my arm and give you that little tingle of, I want to get out of here. You've actually done some ghost tours, haven't you? And yeah. At some historical sites. Yeah. Uh, we've done the Spend the Night with a Ghost. I did that back in my radio days, and... Uh, huge and yeah bumped into a few things that i cannot explain well i can't wait to hear some of those stories you know i found this interesting that says that 18 percent of americans say they've seen a ghost yeah they i believe they believe it and that 29 think they're in touch with the dead you mean as in they can talk to them that kind of yeah thing? i mean there's some kind of connection with them um like with the a, movie ghost so to speak yeah, or like a loved one that has passed so it's going to be interesting for us in this episode to kind of talk about some of those spooky things. So, how about you? Do you believe in this? I believe there's a lot of stuff that we haven't been able to explain. Well, let's start off with an example. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I have no explanation of this. My house is new. We built it five years ago. Yep. Angie and all the kids left, went on vacation, and I stayed home for various reasons of what I Was my that on purpose that they left you? Probably. I'm no fun at the beach anyway. But I'm sitting here one night, and I'll start with the other one first. It's 2 a.m., 2.30 in the morning. It's just me and the dogs. I leave the TV on for the dogs because they're used to having it, and I left it on. And Sophie sleeps in my recliner, and J.J. stays with me. And at 2.30, the TV starts blaring. I mean, just loud. So I think, well, Sophie has stepped on the remote. Right. So I get up. Something and, explainable. Yeah. So I go in there where she's sitting in the chair, and she's staring at me like, why are you in here? And I, you know, it's huge, loud, and I'm trying to find the remote, and it's not under her. And I turn around, and I look at the fireplace mantle, and it's sitting on the fireplace mantle. Ooh. Nobody else in the house. So I get it, and I turn it down, and I go on back to bed. But, I mean, at that point, did you think, okay, that's odd, but I'm not unnerved by it. So, Well, I was real good until I didn't find it under Sophie. That would kind of spook me out. I mean, you want you want something to say. Okay, there's a logical explanation. Correct. But you know, I was thinking, well, you know, maybe the remote, the button got stuck when her paw bumped it, or but it was not. It was nowhere near her. There's absolutely that's never happened. We've been here five years, 
TV stays on 24-7, 90% of the time. I have no reason, no explanation for it. Two nights later, now again, Angie's gone. I right. called her and I told them I loved them. They went on to bed, done whatever they were doing. And I'm walking across the living room and I hear something. And it's a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and it, it stays on for 15 seconds or so. And you, the, the hair mar, because I know I'm alone. I'm thinking somebody is in the freaking house. Somebody I know is messing with me. So I go up to the living room, nothing. I can't find the vacuum cleaner. I go in my daughter's room, and there's the vacuum cleaner leaned up against the wall in her bedroom. And this is a, uh, whatchamacallit kind? Cordless. Cordless. And you explain that. You know, the only logical explanation, and I remember you texting me. Yeah. That night saying, uh, I'm seeing, I'm hearing some freaky things that I can't explain. Yeah. So did you come up with an explanation? No, for this? I mean, but the only ex- logical explanation is if you had some kind of power surge, but there would have been other things that you would think you would have witnessed. And that's a power surge maybe one day, but these are two separate nights. Right. And it's not plugged in now. It's just, you know, it's not charged. Oh, that's right. It's, the, 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 it's a battery operated. I don't know. I don't have an explanation now. I'm out of explanation. But, I mean, it came on, ran for 10 to 15 seconds. I didn't hear it moving. It just turned on where it was sitting. And I, I'm still a little unnerved on that. And in just a moment, we'll introduce our, our guest this week, Dr. Alan Brown. And, you know, I've heard this before. I don't know whether it's true, that ghosts can attach themselves to items that you drag home. Say you go to a yard sale, you find something you really like. Well, let's just say old Joe that died didn't want it sold, and he's kind of attached to that item, and you buy it and take it to your house. Well, he comes with it. It's kind of like a two-for-one special. So what are you going to do if you start finding out you have more and more unexplained things or events happen at your house? Well, i got to get rid of something and try to figure out what it is. Am I going to ride by and everything (laughs) in your house is going to be out in your yard because you're doing process of elimination? You have to do that, I think, at some point. But, you know, I, I am not crazy. I'm as a normal Joe as you can, and that definitely happened. Now, do I have other experiences we'll talk about later? Yeah, but this is my most recent with absolutely no reason for this to have happened. Well, I think we're going to get into some really, really spooky stories. Terry, you want to introduce our guest that we've got today? Absolutely. So Dr. Alan Brown is a professor of English at the University of West Alabama. Uh, Since the mid-1990s, Dr. Brown has been writing books on haunted places all across the United States. He's been interviewing people who believe they've had experiences with spirits of some kind. His interest in these kinds of stories began after he wrote and published his first book in 1992, and I think he's gone on to, uh, Dr. Brown, is that correct? He's been on to publish a total of 30 books. And, Alan, if I'm not mistaken, you've got a new book that is out now, right? Yes. It's called Mississippi Legends and Lore. Now, what do you find in the book? What's it about? Well, it's about weird things that have happened in our state. Some of them are paranormal-type legends, ghost lore. But then a lot of them are just weird things. Pretty cool. Now, as we get into October, it's always the story of the ghosts that float around. And I happen to know you've been a writer for quite some time and, and written many books. Yes. And uh, I've even had the opportunity to go out and explore some of these places with you. Of these, we want to feature some stuff that you really could say, yeah, I think that's haunted. Where do, mm-hmm. where do we start? 
Okay. Well, I would start at the two most haunted sites in the United States. And where would that be? The that first would be the Myrtles in St. Francisville, Louisiana, and the La Lalaurie House in New Orleans. Now, I've seen that. Is that not the one that was owned by Nicolas Cage? Yes. He paid $3.75 million for it, but then he lost all his money to uh, in the uh, Ponzi scheme to uh, Bernie Madoff, and so he had to sell it. Oh, horrible. <laughs> all right, Terry, let's, let's hold on a second here and back up, because he mentioned Myrtle's Plantation. Have you ever heard of that? I don't think I have. It is like down in the where the, the swamp is in Louisiana. I've been by it. I've never been to it. But it is supposed to be like hainted like there ain't no other ghost ever. Okay, now let me back up. Is this where you can go and spend the night? Yes. I have heard about it. had a friend that wanted us as a group to go and spend the night and never got to go. So, do ghosts really exist? Well, this is supposed to be the most haunted home in America. So, Alan, tell us about when it was built. The Myrtles was built in 1796 in St. Francisville. A revolutionary general named David Braddock bought it with, well, he got a Spanish land grant. Yeah. And he had a daughter whose name was Sarah Matilda. When she was 14 years old, she married a judge named Clark Woodruff. And they had three children, three little girls. And then this is where the story starts. So the ghost legends go back to the very beginning of the Myrtles. Story goes that Woodruff had a mistress whose name was Chloe. There are several variants of that story. Others have it that she was not his mistress, but she was very nosy. And so she would go to the gentleman's quarters and open the sliding doors, and or the gentleman's parlor, I should say, and she would listen. And one day she heard the wrong thing. He was talking to some of his cronies. Some say it was some illegal deal that was going down. And he caught her, and so he grabbed her and took her outside and cut off her left ear. Ooh. And she wore a turban afterwards for her remainder, her remaining time there. Well, he had threatened to send her out to the fields, and she didn't want that. She was a housewife, and she was scared to death she was going to have to work out in the heat. So she decided that she would somehow get back in the family's good graces. So she hatched this plan to make a birthday cake for the nine, his nine-year-old daughter. Okay. She would serve it at the birthday party. Well, she thought that she would make them sick and then, and then make them well again. She would produce the antidote. So she put oleander in the flour and put too much in. And so as a result, Sarah died, and so did two of the kids. So you know what that sounds like? What's that? It sounds like that movie, The Sixth Sense. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, that had uh, Bruce Willis in it, didn't it? Yeah, and it had Haley Joel uh, Osment. And, you know, he was visited by a ghost. And I think his character's name was Cole Sear. And so he's frightened by all these visitations from those that had, like, unresolved problems. And they would appear to him, and you pick up on the fact that they're dead. And so one of them was this little girl. Uh-huh. And, and you, you know, you don't get it at the beginning, but it starts unfolding as you start watching the movie. And you find out that this little girl had slowly 
been poisoned by her mother. And so have you seen where you'll see on TV that you have people in healthcare, and Lord knows we're not promoting and saying anybody in healthcare is doing this, but there have been cases where people in healthcare will give a patient something to make them sick. And in some cases, they do that because they're the caretaker and they want to feel like they saved them. They save them. And it sounds like that's what happened here. It just it didn't go well. No, Chloe made a mistake there. Yes. So, Alan, what does she do to, to fix this? So she rushed outside, told the slaves, and thinking they would save her. No. Uh, they were afraid that they would get punished, too, if they sheltered her. So they hanged her from an oak tree on the property. So the other, her own people, more or less. Her own people basically got rid of her so that they would not incur the wrath of the judge. See, now, I did not know that part. Yeah. All right, now, where did the ghost come in on all this? Okay, okay. they've done this, so where did, what happens She now? is the first ghost. She has been, she manifests in several ways. Little girls who walk through the house have complained that something has pulled their ribbons out of their hair or their barrettes. Because when they leave, they're gone. Right. She also likes uh, grown-up jewelry. And when I was, when Marilyn and I were there, we were inside the office looking at souvenirs and things. And a lady came in who had spent the night there and talked to Tita Moss. Tita is the owner and said that... uh, her uh, earrings, she put her earrings on the mantle of the fireplace, and they were gone. And Tita so was in other words, you don't want anything that's of value laying anywhere in one of those rooms because she may end up getting it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But they, they eventually find them, but they find them outside. There was one woman who lost a, a pendant, and it was in the crook of a tree in the backyard. So they said... This, uh, Tita took the woman's address, name and address, and said, when we, when we find it, we will send it to you. She was pretty sure that they would. <laughs> well, you know, and that almost sounds like that has to be something that is unexplainable if you find uh, a piece of jewelry in a crook of a tree. I mean, that's not a normal place for you to leave it and then go back and say, oh, you know what, I remember I left it there when I was climbing a tree as a 50-year-old. I mean, that's just not normal for you to find it there. Exactly. Exactly. Well, she manifests in other ways. Some people have said that when they were asleep, somebody pulled the covers up to their chin. Apparently, she used to do that to the family, to the children, when they were asleep. So, so and that's to this day, because you can, if I'm not mistaken, you can rent rooms there, right? Oh, yes. Yes, my, my wife and I stayed there on the second floor. Interesting thing about Chloe is that she is the only ghost that has, in that house that has actually been photographed. In 1992, Tita Moss's husband, Don Moss, gave her the house as a, as a birthday present. And she turned it into a bed and breakfast. Well, she took pictures of the outside for, of the building for tax purposes. And this is a photograph of the kitchen and a corner of the main house. And if you look, you can see a figure there. Next to the porch, is that where it is? Yeah, right in the, oh, right wow. in the center. Yeah, you should. There it can. is. And she showed that to a, a local photographer to ask if there was, just, just to determine that there was nothing wrong with, with, the, with the film, these film back then, with the film or the process. And he said, no, 
They use this photograph in the advertising. So are there any other ghosts? The little girls' ghosts haunt the place, too. Now, these are the girls that were killed. That, that, kill that were poisoned, yes. People who take tours of the house, and these tours are always at night, usually at night, feel somebody tugging on their dresses. And so the tour guide says, well, that's, a, that's a, one of the little girls. Well, when I was there, Marilyn and I took one of those nighttime tours, and we went to the, the big dining room where that activity goes on, and one woman screamed. She said, something's grabbing me. And her husband started laughing because he had reached down oh. into darkness and he had pulled on her dress. And I will, I will admit, though, that was a goosebump throws in my arm when that happened. So do you believe yourself that it exists there? Did you feel it? Yeah, I did feel like this something strange was here. Now, I know that from that home that there are a lot of people that claim they have seen it. Has anybody ever been hurt by anything there, or is it always just a, a brush or a touch? Or No, it's, it's they hear things. They, they, they smell things. There was a Civil War soldier who spent some time there while he, he was wounded and he was recovering. I think he had his leg amputated. And they smell his cigar smoke. And he's not an ominous presence by any means. Occasionally they do see things, but these aren't scary spirits. For example... They, one of the tour guides is an um, African-American lady named Hester Ebby, E-B-B-Y. She's been on a lot of these. Um, she's interviewed all the time on these ghost shows, like Ghost Adventures. And she said that one day a couple had pulled into the parking lot with a little girl walking behind them. Then they said they want to take a tour. They want to buy some tickets. And she said, fine. And she said, you want a ticket for your little girl, too? And they said, what little girl? We don't have a little girl with us. Oh, and that's wild. she had blonde hair. She had a white dress and then black trim on it and pantaloons. Ooh. Which. Should have dated. You definitely date her. Yeah. Things like that happen. Well, when Marilyn and I stayed there, the room next to us, a woman and her daughter were there. And they left then. Uh, the morning went out to the town shop and came back, and they said that all the toilet paper had been unrolled from the uh, in the bathroom. It was all over the floor. And they asked Tita if she had done it. She said, "No, no, that happens in that room." <laughs> so, Alan, do do you have a bunch of experiences with ghosts? Now, my wife is the one who has the experiences. She's my ghost magnet, which is funny because she's a math teacher, a retired math teacher, and she's very logically minded. And she's the one who has the experiences. I'm the one who, I want to see these things, and that never happens. Rarely happens to me. It has happened on rare occasion. Okay, so Scotty, just, let's just pause just for a second. Okay. Uh, Dr. Brown, I know that you've been talking about that. Your wife was the one that was has had some things happen. But I remember, if memory serves me correctly, Scotty, you said, and I know this isn't the Myrtles, but I think it's worth mentioning, you've actually had a story where something weird like that impacted you. Yeah, and you go back years when I was a little bitty boy. My grandmother passed away, and I can remember uh, the lady that took care of me when I was a kid. Her name was Mayhead. She always told us that the dead would come back three days after they died to check on you. You ever heard that? I have never. Well, she swore by it, believed it. And, and that's some of that. You find people that from way back when, they had a lot of beliefs oh, yeah. and things like that that they, they stood by. Now, my grandmother passed away long before I was born. Uh, she died in the, the early 60s. 
And the third night, coming back from the funeral home, everybody comes into the house, and her favorite lamp, which was hers, was in the living room, and it turned on and off by itself. And you saw that? No, I wasn't born yet. Oh, okay, I got you. But it did that, and nobody thought much about it. A year passes on the day that she died. It does it again. Same lamp, same thing on the day that she died, turns on and off. Well, you know, coincidence. Right. So at some point, this would have been during the mid-60s, the, it gets put up. The, the lamp does. It gets unplugged. So it's not touched for the longest. We, uh, I'm born. We moved to a new house. And I guess I was about five years old. The, the lamp gets plugged back in. So you decided, or your mother decided, the lamp is going with us. It has yeah. sentimental reason. I want it. I mean, she had to have known about the history of it, though. Yeah, yeah. She, okay. was, she was there. And I want to say the lamp had a little boy blue on it. You remember that painting? I think it yeah. had something to do with that on it. Okay. I can still see it in my mind. And anyway, I was probably five years old or so. The day she died, that light turns on and off in the new house by itself. But that gets back to what we said at the beginning, that sometimes the, the belief is is that right. is there the possibility that spirits are kind of manifest themselves because of an object? Yeah, and apparently she liked it because it done that. Now, the screaming commenced at the house that day. Oh, I would be the first one screaming. <laughs> I mean, especially if I knew the history and I actually, you know, to hear it where the light goes on on her anniversary. Of right. Her, is it of her birthday? Her, her death. Of her death. But to witness that would be another story and to know that it was a pattern that would freak me out. I'm not going to lie. You know, the weird thing was she was born on February 5th. She died on February the 6th. So it's always almost like the day of so it could, day. So it is like birthday yeah. slash death. They're yeah. very closely related in terms of dates. So the lamp is in a closet and it's been there for 50, about 50 years now, or 40, 45 years, and has not been touched since. It's wrapped in a blanket in the back of a closet at my parents' house. So do you think we ought to, you know, with it being Halloween and all, do you think we ought to plug it up in the, uh, in the studio? I'm thinking that you should take it home with you first and then get back with me on this. Heck no. Not no, but heck no. Okay, and you know, this leads to another thing that i got to ask. Since Dr. Alan Brown is here, let's talk a second about stuff that I've heard about Ouija boards. I remember as a as a kid, and Terry, you probably do on this as well. If you were to bring up the word Ouija board in a southern home, you would be beat with a broom. It's worse now. <laughs> so, oh, it is. And and my question is: is there is there something to a Ouija board, or is that all made up? Is that stuff evil? Well, is it what is it? I have always heard that a Ouija board can open a portal to another dimension. Which would allow some negative entity to cross over. And therefore, you should not play with them. And when I give my ghost walks in Livingston in October and April, I always tell my students, don't, don't mess with them. Now, I've got one that I bought when I was in high school. It's Parker Brothers, it's a, you know, the, who made right. games. I used, I took it to a party one time. And uh, we played with it, and nothing happened, and I have used it since. I'll add to that. I know that when I was married, uh, married, I still am married. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I'll, I'll celebrate my uh, 
fifth, uh, no, 24th anniversary on the 10th. But what I was going to say was when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was um, four months pregnant, and we took a um, canoe trip, an overnight trip, and it was myself and several others and my husband, and we camped. So we found a, a sandbar, pitched a tent, and his aunt, who is only a couple of years older than my husband, proceeded to get out this Ouija board, and I was kind of interested in playing. And my husband told me very quickly, you are not, I mean, he'd never played one, and he didn't want to start right then, especially with me being pre- uh, pregnant. He was saying, absolutely not. So the Ouija board got tucked back in the uh, overnight bag, and we went on about our business. But I know that he felt strongly about, we're not doing this. Here, Ouija boards are big business now. You can- yeah. When you say big business, what do you mean by that? People, people who own craft stores, making themselves and sell them. I believe a couple of companies sell them. In fact, I went to Joanne's Fabrics, Fabrics with my wife last week. She makes uh, she makes masks. Doesn't sell them. She gives them right. away. Right, oh, sweet. So, but anyway, we were looking for cloth, and I, I told her, "Well, Halloween's coming up. Let's get get me some." jack-o'-lanterns or skulls or something. You know, they had a bolt of Ouija board cloth. Really? Yeah. And I said, Meryl, will you make me one of those? No, no. I didn't make a Ouija board mask. Uh -uh. I'm like you, Dr. Brown. I know that I wouldn't have a Ouija board mask, and I know my husband would not allow it either. Yeah, I remember one in college. Don't ever want to do that again. If somebody touched it, no boy, it looked like he done got possessed over there and it was weird. Don't ever want to be around it again. But, you know, after looking at the website for the Myrtles Plantation, and for anybody that wants to go, it's called www.myrtlesplantation.com. It is absolutely beautiful. Oh, it is a southern home like you have never seen I before. I mean, it looks like fine dining. you got a nice place to stay. But the only thing, and it's a pretty property, but there's that, I mean, and it's kind of pretty and kind of spooky at the same time. Is you've got that little bridge that goes out on the swamp. Yeah, I mean that's spooky in itself in the daylight. Now you got to remember this place was built in around 1796, the beginning of it anyway. It uh, it's got a bunch of history there. So Scotty, would you go and spend the night there? You know, I've done it before. It, it, so long as I've got a group. I'll do it. And I'm not so sure I'd do it all by my lonesome, but if I have you and a couple of more, yeah, I'd try it. I think it would be cool. Now, I want to ask one thing before we go. Are you taking your vacuum cleaner with you? Absolutely not. Now, the fun's not over yet. We've got many places to talk about, and we'll travel all across the United States to find more haunted places, like New Orleans. We'll go to battlefields. And who knows, we may talk about the creepy house right down the street from you. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and will continue to listen more. We promise to provide stories that intrigue you, provide a little humor, reflect our heritage and culture, whether it's strange and alarming. Please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Let us know whether you liked or disliked. Do you have a story to share? If so, we'd like to hear from you. Please email us at comments at secretsfromthesouth.com and provide a brief description of your story along with contact information, and we'll be in touch. Until next time, would you know a secret? Well, are you really sure it was worth that fight for that china from your great-great-grandparents? It's in your house now. <laughs>